You're listening to Conversion Nations, the podcast that helps conversion optimizers overcome challenges they face with their experimentation programs. Brought to you by Effective Experiments, the workflow and project management software helping optimizers make experimentation a core part of their business. Scale up your testing program with a centralized solution and document all your research, ideas, experiments, and results in one place. Learn more and request your free trial by visiting EffectiveExperiments.com. And now, your host, Manuel DaCosta. Hello, welcome. You're watching Conversion Nations, the weekly podcast where we talk to conversion experts about everything to do with conversion optimization and the industry. I'm your host, uh, Manuel DaCosta, the founder of Effective Experiments. And joining me again is Tim Stewart from TRS Digital. Uh, Chad Sanderson couldn't make it today, but not in his place, but also joining us is Paul Rook from PRWD. Hey, Paul, welcome. Hi, yeah, Manuel, thank you very much for the invitation to take part. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Paul, before, uh, because this is your first time uh, we uh, having you on the show, uh, before we get started and talking about um, you know, the topic for today, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, give us a little bit of background about your experience, and yeah, let's, uh, let's uh, take it from there. Great. Yeah. So yeah, Paul, Paul Rook. Uh, so I'm the founder and director of optimization of PRWD, uh, a UK based uh, conversion and UX and growth agency. Um, been running the agency for about 13 years now. And um, we work with businesses on a, a national and international and global scale um, in optimization and kind of transformation, digital transformation, um, maturity. And um, before that, I started my career in digital as at Shock Direct, which um, is like the very brand and Littlewoods brands as their very first web designer. So um, about, probably over 15 years ago, kind of working in the digital industry. Nice. That, that is a lot of experience on the table. And, you know, we've uh, met and connected personally as well over the years. Uh, so it's really good to have you on here. Uh, I know there's uh, over the last few uh, over the last year or so, you've been talking a lot about maturity, and I thought, okay, this is a good topic to have uh, that we can talk about on this show, um, mainly around. Uh, I know we we'll talk, come to models uh, further down, but rather than talk about models specifically, we talk about the maturity of the industry. Chad and I, in our first um, podcast, we kind of had random musings about the industry and the maturity of the industry as a whole. Uh, so let's uh, start with that and then segue into uh, the, um, the organizations themselves and how do you identify mature optimization and experimentation focused uh, companies and the ones that aren't or you know, somewhere in the middle. Uh, let's start with that. Good, yeah, um, do, you want, do you want me to share my thoughts yeah. first? Just, Please just do. Broader industry view. So, I think what what's really telling for me is uh, so th- three years ago we published our first book, which was is called the growth strategy that's been ignored. Um, the the concept and the idea behind the book was. I, we were seeing, mainly from a UK perspective, UK and European basis, we were working with different businesses, speaking to different businesses and um, working with them and kind of realizing that their lack of understanding and buy-in from, a, you know, a, typically from a senior leadership point of view of optimization was way off. So 
we were finding it hard to really make an impact with some of the clients we worked with because at the top of the business, they didn't really get experimentation. They, they weren't bothered about being customer centric. They were growing anyway. So, you know, why bother? We can just carry on growing through acquisition and traffic and uh, increasing PPC. So kind of all these barriers. And so we were, we were building up lots of insights and stories and just real life like challenges and barriers within businesses and I, I thought well i wonder whether is it just us that we're unlucky with the companies that speak to prwd or that we kind of work with or is this a broader thing so um i thought well let, let me what i do i'm going to go out to um some of the industry's thought leaders and ask them um try and keep it succinct but like what's the biggest barrier or challenge that you see within business so um i went out to uh 15 16 people all together um quite a few people that I'd, I'd never actually met in person before but i think it was great it, you know this is people like brian eisenberg angie Schottmuller, talia wolf um pep I've, I've seen pep before i met pep but brian massey roger dooley and um you know yes we've not met them before but i think it, a great thing from an industry kind of an openness point of view that that within 24 hours these people were coming back to me with really passionate stories of why companies aren't getting optimization and why experimentation is just so low in the culture of, of a business so it, a it highlighted that this is a global a global challenge whether us australia across europe b that there's a lot of frustration out there amongst the people that are working you know in industry in agencies work, working in optimization and then i very quickly thought this is too valuable to um to just do a blog post on or something. It could have easily been a blog post with like 17 contributors, what's wrong? So we decided to produce a book, which um, the growth strategy has been ignored. Um, it's available on Amazon, free to download. I'll, I'll give a free link to it um, on, on this uh, free Yeah, we can put it in the show notes for, for sure. Yeah, and, and so to come back to the question about maturity, this was, the book's three years old. Genuinely, if the book was just published today, I wouldn't be looking at it thinking, oh, we've, uh, it's moved on, uh, it's moved on now. It's just today, I've had conversations today with businesses and knowing that they, they, they're still having the same challenges and issues that companies were three years ago. So to summarize, the maturing of the industry and businesses and their take up of optimization and being customer led is, is still a long, long way to go. It really is. It's, it's moving so slowly. Yeah. So ju just exactly what you said. I remember two years ago when we were doing uh, Conversion World, uh, the... The point that Jeffrey Eisenberg made at that uh, conference was uh, conversion optimizers are treated as the, the dirt under the fingernails of the organization. They're never given a seat at the table. Uh, I think you were the one, you, were you speaking at that conference as well, Tim? Uh, yeah, 2016 I did. Yeah, yeah. so it was the, the same conference and, and I think that point kind of stuck with me for quite a long time. Um, and rightly said over there, Paul, if we're looking at those issues that were faced three years ago and you look at the issues faced today, it's almost the same thing. Uh, you know, I, I was like in the CXL group, I see this. I think in your group as well, the We Are Growth Leaders uh, Facebook group as well, I see the same thing happening where people are talking about how do, I, how do I talk to my stakeholders? How do I talk to the management, right? And I think that's a key problem when we, when we talk about maturity. Um, What's the symptoms of, of uh, this? You know, uh, Tim, do you want to do you want to take this? Yeah, I, um, before I kind of jump in, I'd, I'd say yes, we haven't moved on that much. But if you compare it to three years ago, or you know, eight, nine years ago, ten years ago, when I was starting out, it has improved. 
know it's improved uh, it's not as much and i know we still see uh, people asking questions how do i get stakeholder buy-in how do i how do i get past these problems um but there are more people able to answer that for them now yeah Whereas, mm. you know, 10 years ago that we were kind of feeling our way now there are people who kind of go okay here are ways you can address these here are the most common ones you'll get asked there is a body of knowledge that's helping people get there faster so to a degree, I guess that's kind of survivor bias. The people asking about maturity problems are the ones who still have them, and they still are people having those. Yeah. But there's fewer of those, and there's more people able to pitch in to answer that. So let's, for once, I'm not the negative one in this situation. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it has improved. I think it will continue to improve, and I think the the understanding is starting to grow. So I mean, what kind of symptoms do you get? Kind of the very fact that we talk about a conversion optimization department well, ultimately the the end goal and we've all kind of discussed this at various uh, points in the past is to have like a conversion mentality a data data-led user-centric mentality like from the top down the whole company dna is built around looking for what the user wants looking to improve that looking at ways to make that fit with what the business needs and when you get to that level of maturity there isn't really a conversion optimization department everybody there is an optimizer so the silo problem disappears the maturity state you get to, the, to is is uh, kind of built into the the company model yeah. so i think in terms of symptoms anything that kind of shows where there is that disjoint between departments anything where you've got to negotiate which uh, for things which were in a, in a data center company a user centric company uh, you don't need to negotiate for they're already, there's already a process in place there's already a, an established pattern for if you need to do this to help the user out here's where you go and the companies that don't have that there's a barrier and so the problems we most commonly see the symptoms you most probably commonly hear about are those communication issues those ones where people are trying to talk past silos they're trying to uh, manage upwards to to guide their manager to to help them enable them to, to to do what they need to so most of the symptoms are are kind of the pain points you get where you've got company communication so there's more politics there's more more meetings than need be there's things which you could do which you should do which aren't happening because you've had an idea you've got data you've got proof but you aren't getting forward and bring it further down the maturity scale even like the ability to be able to find proof the the, the right to do testing the ability to do testing um, is compromised either by the amount of investment that's in there in terms of the business or by the amount of, of stumbling blocks and, and difficulties that are placed in the way in terms of you know you don't have access to dev resource or you're last in the queue when you're asked to uh, to get some dev resource to do stuff these are common symptoms of companies that aren't bought into the the process and they aren't bought into what is needed to make that process work as well as it can do um, so i think it's improving you know we are now getting to the point where you know talk sort of 10 years ago optimization wasn't on the table the few companies that were doing it it tended to be the role that you know you're the analytics person you can do testing as well yeah now we're increasingly seeing not just a conversion optimization person who is you know dedicated to that one job but you're starting to find departments they are hiring people who are hiring you know, chief growth officers and stuff like that where there is that move towards it being a department in its own right if it wasn't then we're far worse down down the maturity level so we're still seeing people starting out with people they are literally going oh as a part-time job you can do this alongside your other things but we start to see now more people where there's a dedicated department and the growing pains we're seeing more often are not those of a sole operator who's shouting into the void in a company but tend to be one or two people who are dedicated to this fighting for time at the table with everything else that a company has to do 
And that's much more of a classic company problem. So yeah. I, I'd almost argue that some of the maturity symptoms we see, some of the problems we see in sort of early to, to middle stage maturity are actually encouraging because we've moved further down that road. We're still hitting problems. It'd be nice if we didn't have them at all. But it, it's, it's getting to the point where the, the problems are now bigger problems to have. And the fact that they are problems is in itself quite a nice thing to see because it means we are at least getting some voice heard, even if there's no seat at the table. I think one of the key indicators I've also kind of started noticing is when these companies have actually set up their optimization teams or you know, brought on optimization as a key function within the company, it's the why behind it. And that kind of almost determines whether they, they are on a path to you know, scaling up their maturity or not. Because if they've bought into it by just because you know, their competitors are doing it or it's the, the new fad, the new done thing, they start out with all the wrong expectations and, you know, they expect quick ROI. They, they expect, you know, things to start moving, but they haven't actually put the foundations in place. Uh, Paul, do you want to like give us some insight into companies that have, you know, what key ind leading indicators you've seen uh, with companies and the way they've set up their optimization teams as well? Yeah, I think it's worth bringing in at this point. Um, I think it's been touched on already, but for me, uh, through the last four or five years in particular, the the correlation between like becoming experimental, if you know that that is kind of the if, if you say you know that is the, the the top level maturity. It's the booking dot coms, the the kind of hotels dot com, Expedia's, the sky scanners. You know they don't talk about A/B testing. They don't talk about conversion optimization. It's experimentation. So that's kind of the. The, that, that's kind of the pinnacle of like you're embedding experimentation into your culture that I think for me just going you know following on from uh, what Tim was saying there but where Tim's been kind of you know a bit more positive than maybe I was I was saying in the three years I think we're still talking about the, you know that there's such a small percentage of overall you know if you took like the top 500 like businesses across the the UK you know highest um, revenue businesses in the UK or whichever country America you're still talking one two percent of these businesses that are really truly getting kind of experimentation the others are on that journey somewhere so I think it's still there's still so much so 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 much to go um, I think just also just back in track um, when you mentioned about the couple of years ago conversion world um, and that kind of comment Jeffrey I think um, Andre Morris as well from WebArts um, it's what I saw him present on about three years ago and it was the you know the conversion optimizers of this world those uh, are the dirt under the fingernails of the digital industry and um, I think you know there's that as well you know we're, we're now crossing over into acquisition and, and kind of um, performance marketing as well because let's let's face it that's where the money goes that's where companies spend the money and we're we're just the little um, the, the little one percent or not point five percent of uh, of the budget for, for a business's marketing spend so I think um, that just yeah, I just wanted to recap on, on just a couple of things. Um, what's really interesting, and it's why we about four years ago started developing a maturity model because we were going into businesses uh, who were you know they'd already started testing and they're bringing us in to maybe see if we can add some value, and um, and we started to realise that we started work we start working with them we'd we'd kind of boost up their people and skills because obviously we're, we're bringing our multidisciplinary team in, we, we're developing their methodology and process based on what what we developed. But then we'd be working with them, and then from a cultural point of view, we became clear fairly, you know, maybe fairly early on, that the C-suite of that particular business, and, and this happened quite a few times, just didn't get optimization. They weren't bothered about research. They, they just thought it was some little bolt-on thing that the marketing team was doing, and ultimately it held us back. Like the the, the kind of hippos in these businesses, 
were the stumbling block to to really kind of investing more to to kind of helping build the team out and stuff they just didn't get it so it's why we we started to realize that we can't just keep going into companies offering conversion optimization as a as a service as a program without having an inf- understanding the culture and the strategy of the business uh, first of all understanding it and then be working out ways of affecting and influencing that culture if, if it's low down on the maturity scale. So yeah, we like one, one particular business, uh, a retailer, not mentioning any names. We went in from a cultural point of view, they were in quite a good place in the optimization was, was seen and, and accepted at the C-suite as a strategic imperative, a strategic objective that, you know, we're going to be growing our different key metrics, multi-channel retailer through conversion, A-B testing and, and optimization. Fantastic. We audited their business and actually the people on the ground delivering the optimization, there wasn't a multidisciplinary team. There was two people that were very you know, young, you know, early in the digital career, one graduate, they were passionate and keen and, you know, great, you know, they were learning quickly, but the, the weight of the optimization for this retailer was kind of being delivered on these two people and they didn't have time to do research. They, they weren't deep data analysts. The, the retailer had a full team of developers. Um, you know, it was all in-house dev, but the, um, they were all focused on the big, you know, the big redesign replatform projects. And um, when we asked like what development resource do you have to, for the program to support you, it was, um, Oh yeah, we get, um, we get about half a day of a developer a week um, to kind of QA some of our tests. And um, and so that was on the ground. That was the disparity between the culture and the strategic was great. You know, this is a focus. And they actually set, um, it was like, we want 110, 100 tests delivered this year. That, that was a metric that, were, that they were assessing the effectiveness of optimization on. And we obviously dug into that and we asked like, well, wh- why 100? You know, are you bothered if 10 of them, uh, if there's only 10 of them are successful or in terms of from a increasing up uh, metrics? And there was no real substance behind it. It was just a number. And quite a bit of it was based on the kind of competitive, you know, you, you hear competitors running all these experiments a year and things. Yeah. And so it was just this arbitrary number, you know, let's hit 100 tests next year. And then that's going to be a our key metric. Does, in- does that not speak to me? Obviously saying that you kind of, you assess them as, as having a decent culture, a good buy-in. The idea was they were going to do take A-B testing seriously. But then if you're taking A-B testing seriously, then you, you're staffing up for the 100 tests. There's, not, there's, a, there's a level that they've kind of giving it the lip service, like Manuel was saying. They, yeah. kind of, they want, yeah, to, yeah. want to get into it for the wrong reasons. And yeah. kind of like, we should be doing it. Why? Because everybody is. But if they aren't understanding what's involved in that, then they haven't actually taken that decision properly. They're kind of they're, they're, yeah. half, they're half committed. Yeah, there's a definite disparity in, like, as you say, 100 tests, right? We want to do 100 tests. Firstly, why 100 tests? But then secondly, have you even planned the resources for those 100 tests? Do you know what goes into those 100 tests? Uh, like I've been uh, consulting with like someone on their processes as well. And uh, they were you know, cycling between uh, CROs and cycling between agencies and trying to figure out you know, how to get this off the ground. Uh, but ultimately, they themselves on the management level did not know what goes into optimization. And then they were wondering why we're losing people, why we're not at- attracting the right people and stuff like that. So I think yeah. that mentality from the top-down approach is so important. Uh, and I th- that's why I said one of the key indicators I look for is like, why did they set up that optimization team in the first place? You know, mm-hmm. what changed in their business and what triggered that, uh, that need? Because that says so much about a company and like that trajectory that they'll, they'll go on over the next few years. Um, 
yeah, so um, in terms of maturity then, Paul, you know, I know we're going to talk about like, you know, really mature organizations. You mentioned people like Booking, Skyscanner, and, you know, these guys are like killing it when it comes to uh, optimization. They're always referenced. They're always brought up in conversations that, you know, they're running all those experiments. And, but then their optimization team, if you look at it, they're like, it's massive. They've got so many people dedicated to do that. Developers dedicated to those teams, cross-functional teams. Um, small e-commerce company is never going to reach that, at least not in the next five or 10 years, realistically, or maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Um, but for where they are right now, if someone's starting an optimization program today, what advice would you give them? The first thing I would say is, um, before thinking about tools, technology, people, skills, whatever, um, as a business, they need to be open-minded to want to start speaking to their customers and visitors because so many businesses, there's a disconnect between that. You know, the big businesses are oh, we're customer focused, we're customer centric, customer first. Actually, they're not. The, the last time they spoke to customers and sat down and really understood behavior and what drives and motivates people was either never or two or three years ago. So a one-man band, um, as an example, can choose to become a customer focused, like a customer led business, even as a one man band, they can choose to speak to their one to 10 customers, um, you know, regularly get a feedback loop going and ask them what about the service and the proposition and what do they enjoy? What, where do they get the value from? Um, even asking a question such as if we were to stop working with you today, or, you know, if I was to stop providing my service to you today, what would you miss most about what, what I provide for you? And that is a really kind of emotive question that can get people thinking about, oh, actually, yeah, like if, yeah, if you, we would we'd no longer have X, Y, Z. So the, the number one thing I'd say so we, before we get into experimentation and testing and maturity and everything is it's a mindset around, I want, I'm going to be open to speak to customers and visitors and listen to their ideas, you know, listen to the feedback, you know, feed into our internal ideas. And, um, and then that starts to come up with the why point that you mentioned before, that once you start thinking about testing and developing a hypothesis, you're understanding the why behind, you know, motivations and issues and opportunities. So that, that's right back to basics. And that's a one-man band up to multi-million pound brand, like, irrespective, yeah, just getting that, thinking about that mindset of being more customer-led. Sure. We talk about hippo quite often and, you know, we, we always think, okay, these are people that think that they know it all. Um, is it a lost cause then to say if you go into a company's thinking of starting an optimization program, but culturally or in, in terms of mindset, they just can't get past that, you know, let's talk to customers, let's experiment. I know that, you know, they will try and get optimization people on board, but fundamentally on, on the foundations of all of this is it a lost cause then so i think this is i suppose as i say it's from an agency point of view so um we know because we use our maturity audit to assess businesses in the in the initial discussion so as long as people are answering honestly and truthfully then we will get a sense right in that kind of sales process stage um whether or not culturally and the mindset and things like that whether or not it's healthy and positive and forward-looking or is it fixed is it is it just entrenched in what they've always done? Yeah. Um, so we now have a way to assess that because it's so important. And, you know, a few, two, three, four years ago, we, we weren't assessing that. We were just kind of blinkers on, let's go in, we can do all our stuff. And we weren't really worried about the C-suite and the hippo. So, mm -hmm. a, we, so once we understand that, 
we then now have a choice like do we want the challenge of trying to change the culture of this business and change mindsets and do we want to work not just tactically and strategically on the program and, and improving the experience but do we want to work on change management and people and you know do we go in and doing talks and workshops and things to engage and and i suppose inspire and, and think enlighten people do we want to do that or not um, and if we do, then obviously we need to understand there's implications of that because that takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. The alternative way of doing it is actually, oh, that, you know, this just looks too hard, too complex, or just there's going to be too much of a battle against ego and opinion. And we'll just work with businesses that are more open-minded. So that we have a decision to make. Um, but then it's interesting, like uh, from say uh, an e-com director's perspective, that's maybe thinking of moving to a different role. Um, obviously it can be hard for them to really understand the culture of that business until they join. But um, I think it'd probably be in like their interest to understand whether or not it does a business really get this kind of thing. Because if, again, if they don't, are they going to spend the next two years hitting a head against a brick wall, massively frustrated that the C-suite just don't buy into it. And um, so it's, it's kind of down to a choice really. And I had an insight, fascinating insight from uh, Colin McFarland at Skyscanner. So Colin's worked at Booking.com, he's worked at Shop Direct, you know, kind of helping them lead the way in this experimentation culture. And he's now at Skyscanner as like director of experimentation. And um, he, he presented, I think, last year at one of the conferences. And I asked a question in front of the whole audience um, on the Q&A. What would you do? What would be the first thing you would do going into a business that, as you just described, maybe with a hippo, you know, it's a hippo culture. Yeah. And um and he just looked at me and he said, to be honest, I, I wouldn't join that company. Yeah, um, I remember that. I was in the audience, I think. Yeah, I was and it's, it's a choice. Whether we're a, a consultant or an agency, you know, or, or a person that, you know, works client side, it's, I suppose it's a choice. Like, do you want that challenge? Do you want to potentially leave a legacy with that business that you've changed them, you've transformed the culture, you've, you know, you've been involved in change management, or do you just look for the businesses that are far more open from the off? Yeah, so that, that that's kind of where I, I I sit as well. Obviously, I'm a sole consultant. We're kind of in a privileged position, Paul, because we can, to a degree, choose not to work with people we think won't be getting the most out of our services. And and ultimately, if if, if I can't change the culture, if I don't feel I can change the culture, they shouldn't be hiring me because effectively I'll just be a cost. They, they they won't be moving forward with my help. They they can either find another supplier to help them, or they can carry on doing what they're doing. Um, but I think, yeah, I think I was at the same conference. I think, was I hosting that one? Was that Conversion Elite, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I think the majority of the room said the same thing, kind of like, you know, there's enough companies out there now which have got the right mentality, even if they're a less glamorous role, you know, so maybe a big e-commerce provider or a big, big uh, lead gen system looks good for the outside in terms of, you know, perks and benefits and salary. But if they haven't got the right mindset as a as an optimizer, you know, you're going to have limited effect. You're only going to be able to work to the extent of what you can do within your silo. And most people in the room, kind of show of hands, went, "Yeah, just don't work there. Look for somebody else." There are enough companies out there now that do have at least the opportunity to change, the mentality to change, and if even if they're right at the start of that journey, that you don't need to pick those anymore. Um, I think because we're privileged we forget that not everybody's in that situation oh yeah sometimes you have to have that job sometimes you're in a job working for a company which you need and you get moved sideways into that position so uh, what would you say is uh, a good or the best approach to get started if you can't have the kind of the nuclear option of not working with them if you are going to start on that change management do you have any particular um processes for dealing with uh, getting that ball rolling how you show how do you show the stakeholders at each level 
how to start to think that way, like take the horse to water? Yeah, no, I think the first thing that comes to mind that, we, and that, we, that we've used and we've used really effectively, um, and, and it's because, you know, this, when with people in this, this kind of mentality, you know, kind of fixed mentality or, you know, just very opinion driven and, and very easily swayed by something. And, you know, often you hear stories that like, you know, someone in a senior director level position, one of their friends at the weekend, I've heard this firsthand. That Down the a, golf club, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> about a good website or have you seen this website or it's great or something. And then that person looks at that website and thinks, yeah, that's a great, like product page or a great something and they come back in in the business on the monday and they, they speak to the recom team and say i want to uh, i want to start doing this or that and it's from a one opinion like one opinion but they trust that person's opinion it's the friend on the golf course or something so because these people are so easily influenced but they've got to trust that it's either trusting themselves and their judgment and their their opinions based based maybe on experience maybe not or people close to them um the, the one of the most effective ways we've done is is the showing um like pulling the curtain back on their digital ex, on their digital experience so through research through user research um showing evidence of people that are their customers or potential customers struggling on their website you know going through and it could be a remote research test cheap as chips or it could be moderated you know the Rolls Royce kind of more qualitative, more in depth, but just showing them evidence of people on their website that they think is fantastic, that they've helped to craft, struggling to get through something on the same video showing the same person on one of their biggest competitors, one of that company's biggest competitors on doing the same little journey, having a great experience because they've maybe improved, you know, they've, they've thought about the customer and they've made it more user-friendly that as a as a wake up call for for people to just like take a step back and realize oh like i thought that product page was fantastic but actually people don't get it or they can't work out this or that it's kind of getting but it's just it's just kind of getting it back to the basics of ultimately this is about digital experiences and whether an experience is good or bad or how much it can be improved and showing evidence from not from an expert not from a consultant point of view but from a user's point of view putting that in front of people I've seen that like start to have the right kind of effect that ah oh, maybe maybe I don't know best maybe we maybe we need to do a bit more of this research. Yeah, I mean, and, and so if somebody sat in this um, position, they're in the conversion department, but they're not getting much traction. I think if they've got areas they want to target, areas which they've uh, identified which are causing problems, either from the data or from what they've done in terms of user feedback, I think however far up that tree they can take it. Um, even if they can't get funding for something like, uh, like you say, kind of proper user testing, um, if they can just get a heat map or session tracking software on the site and show the classic kind of frustrations that people get when they're going through, uh, it, they can't show the competitor website for that, but they can perhaps mm. like record a video doing the same process themselves. There are ways to demonstrate that. And whereas I tend to come in more from the, uh, the business side of things and I will show them how much money they're losing from the people who drop out on those points. Yeah. That tends to resonate quite well with board level. But when you're talking about people who are kind of emotive, um, the brand, brand side of things, the marketing side of things, yeah, if you can show them that they are not performing as well as the competition, if you can, if you sat in that job and the, the boss or the boss above them isn't listening to the need to fix something that is a, a key user friction point, then just a, a session replay. And it's one of the cheapest tools that's out there. There are dozens of them out there. I'm not going to recommend any particular one that can get you started and saying what I'm going to test to improve is this is not good. 
this bit here, these things here, those friction points are points when they do. And to a degree, tell the story. So I know you mentioned earlier on about um, training, like whether you want to take somebody on who hasn't got this mindset, you're already going in. We have to go in and think about this as a, as a change management piece where the testing, the process, the statistics itself is kind of bread and butter. That doesn't need us to get better at that. But the teaching people why it's important starts with creating that emotion, creating that need to, to understand that they need to improve and then talk to them about what that looks like to the end user. And training sessions, having all day sessions, one of the things I've done um, on when I've done it, gone in and done training, and again, it's, it's something you can do internally even with zero budget if you just get some time, is take people through a classic page and try and pair them up with you know a manager a dev a ux person and a marketing person so yeah, there's one for me. yeah and, and do like a hackathon type thing just with a pen and paper and a whiteboard it doesn't need to be anything more than like a lunch hour and say right here's a page i've got a problem with here's you know the problems that we see on the on the data that we can with the, the tools you've currently given me design me a new page yeah, and then and then when they bring their designs back and they kind of go, yeah, well, we like this one better. We, and they're, they're going, they're once again repeating that emotion-based and best practice experience. Then try and pull those apart and say, okay, so if I was to test that, here's what the variant would look like and here's what the alternative variant would look like. And start to take them through how to unpick the thinking that we know best and all, we've been shown a problem, therefore we'll just come up with a new problem because that tends to be what happens. They need your reaction to it and take them through what what questions will come up instill doubt in the fact that they aren't always going to be the best. And quite often when you just get to the point where they're going, yeah, there's two answers to this. Which one's the best one? Yeah. That's why we test. And then at that point, the, the people who were kind of going, you know, we don't need to test. We know the answer. will start to go, well, maybe we should test this one part. And then you just start slowly showing them the results of what you've tested from their ideas. And it may not be the best roadmap. It may not be the right area of the page to test on. But because you're involving them in bringing their concerns, their thoughts, their ideas into the whole piece, they'll start to see where they get proved wrong. And that proof on the tests when they don't get what they think is right, when the hippo is proved wrong. Um, I jokingly say my favorite thing about testing is the way it slays hippos. Because sorry, um, if, if the hippo picks something, suggests a variant, and the variant is right, you go, well done. That's why you're the, the hippo. You were clever enough to know you should hire a team to do this for you. If they pick one and it doesn't, you've got empirical proof that they aren't always right. Their gut feel, their mate down the golf club hasn't made the right choice. And it's little little learning steps like that, little mini wins internally. And it's not about the uplift on that test. It's not about the, the margin on that test. It's about showing what you do, getting buy-in to the, the experimentation process and explaining to them that the, the shortcuts they keep trying to take are actually how you got into a situation where you've got a website that was was built by best practice and best guesses and then when you get into the nitty-gritty of it and show them a video showing well our our indecision by committee building this page is a compromise of all our various different departments has frustrated the user enough that they aren't giving us money and yeah. these corrections is how these course corrections we can't make course corrections using the same mistaken methods as we did to get there and if they don't get that at that point you do just have to keep doing what you can do within the limits but the very process of explaining what you're doing the very process of bringing them into what you're doing and as limited as you can get with the you know, sometimes you won't even get to speak to the people you need to influence but you bit by bit send them an email put a newsletter up on the company um, sharepoint 
saying here's what happened this month here's the difference that we made here's why don't make a decision on this page without asking me first and you basically bully your way into those conversations and it can take two three four years to have enough change management at just your own department level to make an effect so going back to the point which you know colin said and we were talked about earlier on if that's your career and you think oh i can't leave or i'm stuck with this company and it's going to take three or four years just to get departmental buy-in to do this, let alone board level and company culture, then yeah, looking around for a different supplier, looking around for somewhere else you could work may well be the best option, the optimal outcome for you, because you won't be able to make the effect you dream of doing for them. They are beyond hope within the time scale and the effort you're willing to invest with them. I think, yeah, I think just to, to add in, add into that, that, I suppose that from that, again, that decision point around, you know, again, with your age, agency side consultant or working in-house um you know there's that yeah do you want to on this journey do you want to spend that two three four years change management and things and you know that i suppose you then starting to think about uh, again a bit deeper but like almost creating a bit of a legacy within a business you know you, you've been a driving force within x brand and they've turned it round or they've become far more customer focused and it's helped them grow by this amount but then there's the point around if like the harder it is you know the more embedded that co- the negative kind of hippo like ego opinion driven decision making is within a business that I've seen that how that influences like downwards, like through the organization that, you know, that the lead, you know, behavior creates behavior. So, you know, leaders like that bring in managers that probably fit their, their mindset and things like that. And then it's the people underneath that, that people on the ground that are day to day in these battles. And I've, I've I quite often in this last year or so, I've, I've talked about how at the end of the day, like most people I'm sure want to come to work and enjoy what they do. You know, you don't want you don't want to come to work and have shit days every day. And um, this is kind of almost a personal choice as well. Do you want to be coming into work every day and just feeling like you just literally, you know, hitting, going around the same circles, like deja vu, hitting the same roadblocks? And yeah, it's, it comes down to a lot of like personal enjoyment as well and satisfaction and respect and things. And, you know, do you have... Are you, are you respected and trusted within your business or are you just literally fighting against opinion? And it may be down to whether yeah. you've got the drive. Take, don't, don't underestimate the energy it takes to push back against a culture like that. And uh, I have, I mean, in the past, I've got a couple of sort of work jobs where I can point back and say, even now I can see what's left of the legacy I left with them um, to, to get to that point. And there's been a couple where I could have and I just walked mm. away because I'd learnt what it was or I didn't have the energy in me to do that. Um, recognizing that is kind of one of the things i've i've got better at as i've got older um but it's one of those questions where nothing is insoluble it's just a question of how hard you're willing to try to do so and how much energy resource you've got to do do with that um, as as optimizers i also think that with uh, you know te- the technical skill side which you need to have taken for granted anyways you need to know everything about optimization to be able to run uh you know uh an experimentation program but aside that you need these soft skills of being able to persuade people to influence people because we talked about you know running team hackathons and you know even struggling for time over there how you talk to someone on a on a c level versus how you talk to someone in another department to bring them you know you're, you're essentially trying to convert them to your cause at the end of the day and you need to be able to do that alongside the job that you you do as well because too often i've seen that people you know they start new roles they jump straight into the analytics they're they're jumping straight into what they know best and that's fine but ultimately if you're if you want to make an impact and on the in the long term you need to start working on that from day one 
And part yeah. of that is not, you know, you don't want to be going in and running training sessions because for one, like if I'm in a, in a training session on, on the flip side, let's say it's an SEO training session and I have no interest in the matter, but it's something that everyone is talking about. I'll sit in the training session, you know, it goes in one year, comes out the other year. So you need to be mindful that when you're talking to these stakeholders, it's not, you're not talking to them, but you're sharing insights and making it relevant to them in that sense. That I think brings in a lot more, uh, has more persuasive power in helping. I think I think that's where people at the lower end of their digital experience struggle a little bit, simply because it's. I mean, I've got a background in sales, and really, what we're talking about here is it's sales. Yeah, it's, yeah. The the irony is the thing which we hear conversion people talking about what they struggle the most with, is actually the internal sales pitch. So the psychology of kind of attention, interest, desire, action, how you would, how would you get somebody through that process for a conversion step? We're quite happy to look at the psychology of the wording for our page, but we might not look at the wording of our email or whether we use email or use personal contact to reach out with them. We're not looking at the solution that our, our boss or our line manager or our peer in a different department is looking for. We're presenting them with our solution going, we want you to give us money and they're going i don't want money i don't want to give you money i want want my problem my problem solved my problem is you're taking up too much time yeah so we're going well would it help you if i took up less time by doing xyz they're going to listen more to that than if you start going i need more time and so it's actually the irony is the people who should be really good at this conversion uh, conversion easters can people who are going to have the the psychological toolkit to do that aren't testing their own emails, aren't testing their own communications in with internal skills. So that's kind of one of the things where if you've got a sales background, it really helps. But if you haven't, you should still have that sort of mentality. So try and be, think, think of the people internally you're struggling with as the users on your landing page and think about how you can be user-centric in terms of what you're delivering to them. And yep. reverse that because obviously you, your end goal is to help them get better. But if they don't even realize they've got a problem, they're not going to accept that help. So you need to look at what they see as a problem and then see Correct. if you can provide solutions to them. Correct. And, and the other thing is also challenging uh, the status quo, right? And too often I feel like people go into these jobs and they are a bit too afraid to challenge. Like if, if they try to propose an idea and get shot down, they don't stand their ground. They kind of give up way too easily. And, and that also comes in with that sales kind of mentality, right? You're dealing with objections. How do you counter those objections? And how do you... Uh, fight back against those objections and in a way that's non-confrontational, but you're providing that value as you go along as well. So, Paul, just, what do you? What's your take on it? No, I think just, just first of all, picking up on exactly what you just said there around um, you know getting people's opinion or people being afraid to give their opinions or not feeling like they they're going to be listened to. But very really quick kind of uh, case in point, uh, and it, but it's one of the most one of the most powerful. Um, user research sessions that I've had in 15 years so I think it's worth sharing because and it's about mindset and change and it, I went in I went into a business uh, housing association it was working to redesign their intranet platform so you know the internal thing um, part of it was um, the user-centered design process was to go out to speak to people using the internet every day across different different um, offices across uh, south uh, south of England so I went in I, I was doing one-to-one research with people that you know were the you know just people on the front line They'd never been asked before for like feedback on the website or internet or anything like that. And so there was, you know, bits of apprehension. One woman came into one of the sessions, really apprehensive, kind of, uh, oh, I don't know what I'm doing here. Or like, you could just tell it was going to take time to kind of 
give build up some confidence in her to kind of share what she thinks. I spent about an hour with her, kind of built confidence up. She started sharing ideas. Halfway through the session, she came up with this. She said, "Oh, one thing I have thought about actually is if is if the internet could do this. I think it'd be really valuable." And it was a phenomenal idea. A consultant couldn't have come up with the idea. You needed to be on the ground. You needed to be a customer or a user to come up with it. And I was like, "That's such a great idea. I can really see that resonating." No one else out of I think 20 sessions, 20 research sessions, no one else suggested it, but I knew it was a kind of idea that could resonate and work really well for them. And it went live, like we ended up going live. At the end of that session, um, the woman said, thanks very much for your time, we appreciate it. She stood up, walking out, she turned around, looked at me and she said, Paul, I, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to me today. Um, whenever I say anything at home to my husband, he says, don't bother suggesting anything yeah. because my ideas are worthless. And and I was like, wow. Um, and you know, that's what she was living with on it. That's, that's on a personal level, like with a husband at home, but she, you know, more, there's so many people I see internally within businesses that have got great ideas that they just don't bring them forward because they've been shot down once and they just don't think the company or their manager or their leaders will listen to them. And, and it's why, so for me, it's about, I, almost, I often talk about that if businesses aren't willing to listen to the team, listen to their own, own staff, you know, they're not willing to listen to their ideas because it's just a hip-hole-driven decision-making. These companies have pretty much got no chance of being customer-led because if you're not going to listen to your staff, you're not really going to listen to your customers. So it's a really big challenge. And we talked about the hippo, um, uh, the reinvention of the hippo, which I put out into the kind of industry a few years ago for it to become a beacon of positivity. So instead of it being about negativity and opinions and kind of um, fixed mindsets, it's humility, integrity, passion, positivity, and open-mindedness. And this applies to anyone, someone you know, starting the career or someone that's managerial and leading a business, having these characteristics. These are the characteristics that bring the best out of people and, and, and create really great working environments. But there's not too many, you know, there's a smaller percent, there's a small percentage of people with these kind of traits in leadership positions. And just one thing, one thing I want to talk about, about leadership and C-suite, I think actually really going uh, really focusing in on the, the person, whether it's the, the CTO or the head of technical, or if it's a smaller team, you know, just the development manager. At the end of the day, they've got such a powerful role within a business because they dictate what gets built, what doesn't, what gets built in what order. Um, you know, they coordinate their developers that build the things that go live. And we learned a big lesson about four years ago as an agency where we weren't with our engagements with clients, we weren't engaging with the, the head of technical or the CTO because we were, you know, we were doing front-end testing. It's like, you know, put the, a line of JavaScript on the code, on, on the website and we can just go away and do our testing front-end. As soon as we wanted to do anything more advanced that needed some database work or some more technical stuff, we needed the developers on board, but they weren't on board because we'd not engaged them at the start. So I think whether you've got one developer or a team of developers, advice for anyone is to start engaging with the person that's influential in what's going to get built and deployed because if, if they're not bought into the process you know you, you, you could have your you, you can have your ceo bought in but if the head of technical is isn't interested and he's just got his 12-month roadmap or, or she's got a 12-month roadmap then you're going to be fighting a losing battle because they they hold the keys to kind of some of the most you know potentially strategic testing that you can do to grow the business yeah, definitely. And, and just sort of rewinding back to the point you made about, you know, the, the that first-hand experience you had about getting feedback from, you know, those employees at, at that organization. Uh, what companies kind of fail to realize sometimes, and they're, they're kind of opening up to this, but 
generally the best ideas are held by customer facing um, employees like the customer support they're on the phones they're on the shop floors these are the people that really should be empowered to give you those ideas right but if there's no direct channel for that it's not going to happen if you say yeah send us an email or you know write down a piece of paper and put it in this box and then they don't get feedback about it again that's going to end up you know they never listen to our ideas they tell us to do all this extra work that we need to do we need to log all this stuff and i send it off uh, but nothing ever happens about it and exactly a similar kind of complaint in in, in a in a company that i was interviewing like the call center stuff over there in you know in a, in a role a long time ago and it was like trying to figure out, you know, what are com customers talking about? What are they complaining about? And it was like, oh, how much time do I need to spend to give you all this information now? I've got to get on with my work. I've got to hit my targets and stuff like that. So they're essentially being tasked with extra stuff, right? Um, and you're expecting them to help you, but then there's no kind of feedback loop or reward uh, mechanism for them to make, you know, it may be a reward that, you know, it could be like a bonus if they care about that, but some people just care about recognition. You need to, as a person, you need to figure out again what each individual department, what each individual person cares about. And if you realize, like a lot of what we've been talking about on this call, it's not to do about technical maturity. It's not to do about, um, you know, optimization knowledge. It's all about people skills. It's all about really how to persuade and how to influence other, other uh, humans in an organization because that's what it comes down to it's it's the humans that we interact with and we try there's that power balance that we need to maintain mm -hmm. um so we're nearly uh, out of time now do you guys want to give your closing uh, closing thoughts um about this i know we we've kind of like gone on that journey of maturity we've not reached the high maturity level so paul i think maybe you should be coming you should come back again for another session at some point we talk about high maturity and you know hopefully chad joins us for that as well gives us some of his hints his insights in in organizations uh you know in-house teams as well yeah yeah, I, th I think, um, well, something that we're, we're finding is, is helping kind of managers and uh, senior managers within businesses with their, the business case to the, the people higher up that we've got work to do and we need to look at the culture, we need to look at better skills, we need to resource up, um, is, the, is the use of our maturity audit, which uh, is cromaturityaudit.com. Uh, because we, we've now got over the last year and a half uh, benchmarking data, so companies around the world across different sectors have used the audit for free, it takes about 15 minutes. Um, so basically companies can now kind of demonstrate to their kind of superiors, this is where we are across the four pillars of the maturity audit. This is where retail average is at the moment. This is demonstrating that um, you know um, there's work to be done, and and this it goes back to that like when you bring in competitors, whether it's in user research or whether it's in benchmarking data, the power of what your competitors are doing or what others are doing you know, that can have a really good inf influence on decision makers. So, for anyone listening that's wanting to maybe start on their business case, um, you know, with their challenges within their business. Um, audit your business, kind of get your scores, get your maturity ratings in 15 minutes, and then you can then start to kind of think, right, how can you get this in front of people? How can you start to show we've got a long way to go in this? Great. Tim, any parting thoughts? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that the uh, remember that the soft skills that you're going to need to work with internal departments are basically the same things as we've been advising when you're thinking about your users when testing. 
because it's very easy to get kind of tunnel focus, uh, tunnel vision, thinking, oh, God, I can't do this. It's politics. Little things like talking to people, going up and speaking to them rather than sticking across a shirty email, just bringing donuts. We used to get people coming down to our little testathons by by putting food on. It may cost you like 10, 15 pounds when you do it on a monthly basis, but if there's free food, people will turn up. Um, even if, if it is, even that's, if that's a kind of an extra, extrinsic motivation to get them started, you don't care for the purpose of what you need. That's the tempt that you've got them into place. So remember that those people skills aren't as, you don't have to be some kind of Devin Brown level psychologist to do it. You just need to do your job and talk to humans like humans. And I think that's partly where a lot of people fall over by getting tied up with process and box ticking is kind of just humans on the other end of those, those uh, tasks. Um, and I think the second part is the, uh, the way we are approaching like talking about maturity is is to remember that we have made progress already you know i've been quite down on kind of saying look the here are the symptoms etc but you know 10 years ago we were having to explain what ab testing was we we're having to explain why analytics was needed and now we're complaining that you know our department is not getting listened to and well you know there is now a department that in itself yeah. is progress so we are seeing the um progress made and there are resources like paul's talked about with his maturity model there are training courses um, the conversion world is on next month so if you want to learn more i think one of the things which gets you best traction is actually showing that you do a good job and so upping your skill level if you are on your own as an island and you need to 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 influence people getting really good at doing what you can do is the best way to be a, a proven asset to the business and that gets you heard and it also if you choose to leave means you'll be more employable elsewhere so it's still an investment in time that helps the business now helps your case now but also maybe lays the path for, for moving up to something that isn't such a difficult fix in the future so yeah, I, just to just add a final thing for me, you mentioned, Manuel, around the, the Facebook group, We Are Growth Leaders. I think that the, the whole reason for creating that group um, maybe 18 months ago was to help bring together people around the world that are, you know, different levels of maturity, working at different types of businesses, but can learn from each other and mainly around how, you know, how can we help the businesses that we're working within or working for become more customer led, become more experimental, break down the silos, barriers. So. Yeah, kind of, yeah, for people listening, if uh, you want to kind of join the group and kind of start a conversation or explain your challenge, that uh, would, um, yeah, that, that's what it's there for. Great stuff, gentlemen. Uh, Tim, Paul, uh, pleasure having you on the show. Uh, and everyone listening, thanks for tuning in for yet another Conversion Nations episode. Uh, conversions, uh, con conversation, a bad conversion. I'm really tripping up on that. Great. So, um, you could say the difficult word, conversionations, but then it's I know, the I know. part that you fall down on. It is tricky. But uh, guys, thanks for uh, joining me again. Uh, this is Manuel da Costa from Effective Experiment signing off. If you're watching this on YouTube, there's a subscribe link just there. There. Yeah, so if you, oh, sorry, it's this way, uh, one of the ways. Uh, yeah, subscribe Bola. and make sure that you take the take the bell icon because then anytime whenever we put out new, uh, a new uh, podcast update, you'll be able to get notified right away. Uh, but again, thanks for joining us and go talk to the people in your company. Bye for now. Thank you. Great. Cheers. Thank you. You've been listening to Conversionations. Don't forget to subscribe to get notified when we release new updates. Conversionations is brought to you by Effective Experiments. Want to make experimentation a core part of your business? Request your demo and let us show you how we can help you grow your testing program.